Sunny Bunch. Welcome back to The Bulwark Goes to Hollywood. Uh, I am the culture editor at The Bulwark. I am pleased to be joined today by Richard Rushfield of The Ankler. Now, Richard Rushfield, one of my uh, all-time favorite journalists from uh, out west in L.A. He, he does the industry beat. You got to subscribe to his newsletter, The Ankler. Uh, if you want to know what's going on, there's all sorts of good stuff and good tidbits in there. It's in the Substack ecosystem. You are a Substack early adopter. Are you excited to see... Uh, all of us Johnny come latelys uh, uh, pile pile in the clown car with you. I was I I, I wasn't really adopter. I am excited to see everybody get on board. It was, uh, it, was I, I, it was really the lifeboat off the sinking ship of journalism. <laughs> right. Um, but there's 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 definitely a, a few people coming on board now who I, I just have this feeling of dread. In my, stomach that they're going to ruin it for all of us and yeah and, uh, yeah you know the bigger the bigger this thing gets the 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 better the odds are somebody really blows it for all of us but we'll we'll see i think it's i think it's working out so far uh so let's talk about the big the big story of the day today is we're taping wednesday night uh scott rudin uh there was a big uh big profile slash expose of his uh, exploits. So Scott Rudin, uh, for people who don't know, is a big time Hollywood producer. Uh, he was a producer of No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, a uh, bunch of A24 movies, and also a big uh, Broadway producer. He's he's based in New York City, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he 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 is big in the world of entertainment uh, on, on the producing side. And he has always had a reputation for being a bit blustery, a bit of a blowhard, a bit of a uh, uh, prone to anger, but also, uh, uh, you know, one of the great modern producers, one of the guys who has a real eye for talent and that sort of thing. And this this Hollywood Reporter story uh, just kind of tears him a new one. I mean, it's it's all sorts of all sorts of, you know, really, really uh, kind of nasty bits of behavior by him. For instance, as we were discussing right before uh, the show started, the 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 story about him uh, throwing a baked potato at an assistant because the assistant did not know what a 24 was doing in the building uh, and then demanding another baked potato. potato. <laughs> he wants, he wants his baked potato, uh, but stuff like that and stuff, you know, I mean, look, that's bad and stuff was a little more serious. Like, you know, he, he smashed a monitor on a, on an assistant's fingers and there was blood and tears and, you know, people actually left the office before 10, 10 PM or 8 PM or whatever on that night, which is a, a rarity. Um, what do you make a of this story and B, I, I find the the meta story about it kind of more interesting because this is absolutely getting in lumped in with a uh, the, the whole sort of Me Too thing. And it's a very different beast. There's a very different there's a big difference between him and Harvey Weinstein and what they were accused of. Um, and I, I'm curious to get your take uh, from from out west, how this story is playing, what you may have heard that was not in the story and uh, what you think the future looks like for him. I mean, th th this was he was he was always kind of hide. This was the story was always hiding in plain sight there because it was it, the the story itself says the the uh, the 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 legends of his bad behavior were uh, were everywhere and everybody had, had heard stories of it and everybody just thought, oh, it's so funny, the horrible boss. He's like one of these uh, mogul characters, and then and then and then suddenly uh, we're told, oh no, that's actually not funny. Uh, right to, to throw potatoes at people's head and destroy their career. <laughs> um, the, I mean, I think when we look at it, the, the 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 big thing about the Harvey Weinstein moment is that it's the first time, perhaps in entertainment history, 
that a mogul was hold the studio head was held responsible for personal behavior and and, and it, it, it happened to be about uh, the, the the harassment and the sexual behavior but really short of uh short of embezzling uh like david beagleman in the mm-hmm. uh in the 70s mm-hmm. i i can't i I've, I've spent three years searching and i can't find another another example uh in history of a studio head being held responsible for bad behavior of which you know there are as many examples as there are studio heads sure so, um and i you know i i, I think with this one, a, a bunch of people were, were wondering what the what the reason why they today why why did why are they doing this now because he's as the story says people have been talking about this for 30 years um and i think it's just like they they, they went through all the sexual harassment stories they could do they went through all the racism stories they could do and now they've gotten down to work their way to run down the list of bullying and when right. they want, sort of bullying became a topic with the uh with the the producers on the Ellen Ellen show uh, were were accused of things that was sort of put there. So I, you could you can picture I don't know that this meeting happened, but you can picture a THR uh, editing meeting saying, oh, "Okay, bullying's now the thing." So who can we get? And Scott Rudin would be at the top of that list, and he has 177 former assistants. So mm-hmm. uh, a pretty a pretty target rich environment for uh, for a reporter there. Yeah. I mean, obviously there, there is, uh, there is obviously newsworthiness here, right? It is, it is, it is newsworthy in the sense that it is, it is always kind of interesting to get a glimpse into, into this world and to the world of bad bosses, as you say. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't really have a problem with THR pursuing the story. I, I do wonder what the actual repercussions will be and what they should be, because I mean, again, we're not talking I, you know, with the with the there's a woman who suggests that, you know, he his saying that she couldn't exercise early in the morning was a violation of the Federal Disabilities right. Act because she had, you know, uh, 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 diabetes. Right. So, I, I you know, maybe there's some like kind of borderline workplace uh, uh, legal stuff there. But look, we're not talking about a guy who was breaking the law. We're talking about a guy who's an asshole. Um, and, you know, there there's. There, there is. I, I mean, I just think there's, there's such a category difference between this and Weinstein, um, and this, and even like uh, you know, a guy uh, who would who who is caught throwing around racial slurs or whatever, right? Yeah. Like that. That's another category. That's another another level uh, to this. And I, I just think that you know what Rudin has been accused of here is bad. I wouldn't want to work for that guy, but at the same time, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure it should be the death penalty. And those are kind of the only punishments we have now. It's like career death penalty or nothing. That, and that's, I, yeah. That's always been the problem. Uh, all this. There's no interim. There's no penalty box. There's no taking a week off. There's no, well, you have to take your name off this show or you behave badly on the set. It's just like you're over. So does this, does this rise to the uh, level of your over? especially when he's an independent producer. So he owns all these all these shows that are on all these uh, on all these networks and everything. So are all these networks going to pull off? Is FX going to drop what we did in Shadows, right. one of their their most popular shows right. now? Because he owns a piece. He they can't they can't fire him. It's his show, uh, and and that's the reason he has it. You know, as a producer, your your career is valuable because you keep bringing in valuable material, and that's that's what he's consistently done. Uh, over the years, so are people not going to take meetings with him anymore? 
because he he was a jerk. Right. Right. And like we say, I mean, this is a story that people have been expecting for a while and kind of kind of knew about. It's not like people, especially it's, you know, the the you know, in the in the upper echelons, we're going into this with, you know, eyes, eyes wide shut. They knew they knew basically who he was and and what was going to happen. Yeah. And, and if if he, you know, he, he may well be the jerkiest jerk in, in all of Hollywood. It's, it's a, that's quite possible. He's pretty uh, monumental jerk. But. You know, the 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 two through five hundred spots on that list are right close behind him there. So yeah, uh, I mean that 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 would be a clean sweep of uh, the executive ranks that would that would sweep over not just I mean and and here's the pro the, the this this one would this one would not just sweep away white males. This would this uh, this would come for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's. Let's let's you had mentioned before we started the show, uh, Ray Fisher. I I, I had yeah. not uh, been planning on, but uh, so there there is a there is a subplot to the triumphant release of the Snyder Cut, huge success for HBO Max, great artistic uh, triumph for the world uh, of arts and entertainment at large. As we know, the four hour release of uh, Zack Snyder's vision for for the Justice League. Uh, but there there has been a bit, there's been a slightly bitter subplot to all of this, which is the the exit of Ray Fisher from uh, DC projects in general, his fights with uh, Kevin Tishara uh, at, at WB, but more more Jeff Johns and uh, Joss Whedon. He was upset at how his character was reduced in the Whedon cut of Justice League. Um, uh, he thought that Jeff Johns uh, was pushing him to do things he didn't want to do. And there was another, there was in, in The Hollywood Reporter again, there was a big story this week where uh, I, uh, a couple of reporters there talked to Ray Fisher about his side of the story. And the uh, the the thing that jumped out at me, and this is this, I tweeted about this, but the the thing that jumped out at me was the story about how he came to say the the catchphrase "booyah," yeah. uh, cyborgs catchphrase "booyah," and it was basically an AT and T executive, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, a Warner Brothers executive, sat down with him and said, "If my boss at AT and T, if his 13 year old kid says, why doesn't cyborg say booyah in the movie? I'm going to get in trouble. So can you can you just say it for me?'" in the in the movie which is the, like the the absolute apotheosis of like the awful corporate nature of all of this so much um, so that it makes you wonder uh did that story did that did that dinner did a uh warner's executive really take ray fisher out to dinner to tell him to convince him he had to say booyah because he could lose his job if, <laughs> if he did say booyah i mean yeah. it, it, you know, if they wanted him to say "booyah," they could have taken a, a, a shot of his mouth moving and dub "booyah" into it anytime they wanted, and didn't have to get his permission or any anything yeah. else. Yeah, I. What did you? What did you make of this story? Because there is there is a lot of tumult over it, uh, at WB and DC and all that. Like the the executive turnover there has been very high recently. Um, and I, you know, the, the, the whole Snyder cut saga is not a small part of that. I mean, what did you, what did you make of, uh, Fisher's story and, and kind of everything else that has gone on, uh, here in the, the executive suites over at, at Warner's? Well, Fisher's story just, I mean, he, it reads like he was a, uh, a, like he's a 23 year old who had, his only previous job was working at Buzzfeed where he was allowed to create his own title and his own major and, and write any stories he wants and follow his intellect, and then suddenly landed on a big bad Hollywood movie set with a uh, with with a very with with a 
very jerky director, which is not uncommon. Um, and uh, and he was like, "Wait a second, we're what about my vision? What about this is what about uh, and and you know what makes what makes it especially toxic and why this has lingered for a year now. So that he he started. So a year ago, he made these accusations that he was treated inappropriately in a way mm -hmm. that he could not describe. And it's become a year of like, there have been hundreds of articles about this, like about these, that this, this uh, indescribable bad treatment that we, and it's it become like, it's become like, uh, you know, I saw something terrible in the woodshed here uh, as we've been waiting to hear what it is. And this was him finally revealing, okay, here's what happened. And it turns out uh, they, they made him say booyah and, and Joss Whedon was uh, was a was a jerk to him. Um, yeah, and there there's only one, but the story lived on because it had this racial overtone that he was suggesting and always always had racial animosity. And in the in the story, there's only one explicit thing uh, that explicitly racial element. It's it's he quotes he quotes Toby Emmerich's movie saying, "I don't want an angry black man at the center of a movie," which is comes from Ray Fisher says says that someone told him that yeah Toby had said that so yeah, it's yeah. an anonymous second hand and that's the yeah, only yeah. explicitly racial thing yeah I, I mean I, I my, my my take on this is is slightly I I'm conflicted because on the one hand I have I don't blame Ray Fisher for being mad at the way his character was reduced. Um, and and shrunk and like you know basically turned into into a an afterthought. He went from being essentially the emotional center of the film uh, to to barely being in it um, and and reduced to spouting the catchphrase. I'm not uh, and and I do think and there there's somebody I remember reading. Uh, oh man, it must have been a year ago. Some some somebody in one of the the you know geek blogs had written a long essay about how like every essentially every black character had been taken out of the film that it was uh it was it was not just ray fisher's role being reduced it was also uh the flash the the girl that the flash rescues removed um the the martian manhunter character removed uh and some other some other stuff uh as his his uh, uh cyborg's mom like totally removed just cyborg's dad cut way down you know and like i i remember kind of dismissing that at the time like okay well how do we know we haven't seen it now that we have seen it it's like wow that is actually kind of exactly what happened. Um, but I, I, I think you're probably right that it's not, it's not, it's not racism. It's just Joss Whedon was trying to get it under two hours. Joss Whedon is kind of a dick. Uh, the, and, the, you know, the line and, where he's like, I don't take notes from Robert Downey Jr. I'm not going to take notes from you. Like I would be annoyed if he said that to me. Well, the, the, the part when, what was his quote from Shakespeare when he, when, when yeah. Uh, Rick yeah, came Hamlet. To read the yeah. The the booyah line that 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 was the part I, I I if I had been Ray Fisher's shoes I would have I would have decked him there. <laughs> yeah. But do you uh, think Joss Whedon? Do you think Joss Whedon is gonna is going to work again? I mean, I'm I'm very curious uh, if he has to go back to full time script doctor work. But be, between this and the the troubles on the Nevers and everything else, he seems to be kind of uh, headed toward a very very strict director jail sentence. Yeah, I think he's too deep in the penalty box, and he's had too many problematic things, and it's just he he, he he's he's in that space where there's just like a bunch of stuff swirling around here, and 
it's it's it, it's they it, and it's 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 got it's it's got feet in every uh, toxic piece of quicksand. You get racism, the, the cheating, uh, yeah. treating women badly. Yeah. It's, um, it's, yeah. the so Christmas, it's I mean, the Christmas Carpenter story seemed pretty devastating. Yeah, uh, just for his for his. And again, this is another situation where he is not being accused of sexual assault. He's not. Uh, he's not being accused of, you know, even sexual harassment, really. He's just being accused of being like a really nasty bully to lots of people uh, over a, over a period of time. And, and uh, it is finally it finally seems to have caught up to him. Well, there is a, there is that one. The, the, the one story that was that's, that's never been totally uh, explicated uh, from Buffy, where who, who was it? The, the young actress said. No, oh, Michelle Trachtenberg. Michelle yeah. Trachtenberg said I, they, there was a rule that I couldn't be alone in a room with him, which, yeah. which that, if, if that's that's pretty devastating. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty bad. I like. I would. I hope nobody ever has to say that about uh, me. She was that would be fifteen, I believe, when she right. was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's true. There, there are probably more shoes to drop. Uh. Uh. In the the Joss Whedon story. Um, and, and, and nobody likes him cause he's a, he's a, and, and also he hasn't made a big hit in, in how long has it been since, uh, yeah. since, uh, and, and his, his Avengers yeah. is 2014, wiped. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And his Avengers has been wiped out by a bigger Avengers. So, yeah. so, uh, who yeah. needs him anyway? Yeah. Uh, uh, HBO doesn't obviously since they kicked him off the nevers halfway through, uh, shooting that. I mean, uh, who knows, who knows exactly what happened. There, I assume one day we'll get we'll get that story, but but it, it's but DC has a DC has a way of you know with with Marvel, Marvel has seen writers come and go and projects come and go, but they don't they don't become like sort of permanent like psychodramas that 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 I mean yeah DC, DC it seems every film has some sort of problem or issue and it beca- and, and it just gets played out in public forever and. As much as uh, the historical record will benefit from the Snyder Cut being uh, being being available to us for uh, now to, for posterity, um, by re-releasing it, what what uh, what Warner's did was guarantee themselves another year of relitigating all the problems uh, yeah. around the set there. So that's, yeah. that's why we're talking about this now because they brought back this their their flop of movie. Well, I mean, is it is it is is the reason for Marvel's stability and and uh, the DC kind of you know never ending contretemps is is that just a function of Kevin Feige being so successful and well respected? I mean, I like he seems to he seems to have a very I've never talked to anybody who has had anything bad to say about him. I'll put it that way, and he he seems to have a very good handle on how how the studio should be run. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think there's there, there's no drama. I think I think um, everybody when they come into I'm, I'm I'm told when you come into a Marvel movie, you get like this two thousand page thing of like here's here's how Iron Man stands. Here's how here here's what will happen in this scene. Here's what will happen in that scene. It's just like all these things must happen. Must happen. Do all those things, and then you, in between it, you can have any fun you want. And no. you understand that's the deal. That that that. That you're coming, you're coming, and there's no, uh, and it, they, and they've had one leader overseeing this the whole way through. DC has changed leadership. They've, they, yeah. it's Christopher Nolan's and then Zack Snyder, and now it's individual visions and and uh, 
you know, they've had varying fortunes. So it's it's just been a uh, it's it's a terrible comparison for them. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look great. Uh, so let's talk about the big actual business news of the week. Uh, Netflix paying four hundred and fifty million dollars for two Knives Out movies. Can we? Can we? I can you explain this to me? Because I I go back and forth in my own head and in conversations with people. Where on the one hand, okay, I I could see that kind of making sense. Netflix has a bottomless well of money, and and you know franchises don't go on the market that often. But, you know, on the other hand, they're not actually getting the franchise. They're just getting the chance to make two movies. It's not like they they can, you know, mine this IP for everything it's worth, right? What 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 is Netflix thinking? How am I wrong here? What am I getting wrong? All right, Netflix is Netflix is, is, is now in a very competitive business. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think they want it to be in this competitive a business at this point. But they, they, they've, they've still got to get buzz and they've still got to create events that, uh, that, that keep people interested. You know, there was a, there, there was this, uh, s- study this week that, um, that they, uh, that came out about the streaming world and that Netflix has lost a third of the market share of the streaming world mm-hmm. in the last six months. So that's like one, one third of your influence taken away in half a year. Um, you know, that's a, that's a huge hit. So they need to, they need to keep people watching the, the these are movies that they, that, you know, given given the first one and Ryan Johnson's track record, they have reason to expect will be uh, uh, very good. They're they're in they're in a sweet spot of of uh, prestige, so potentially uh, awards worthy, but also they're just but also they're mystery thrillers, so so it's uh, it it has a broad appeal. So it's it's a rare property. I could, I could see if you're going to make movies, uh, why they would want it. Yeah. But I mean, I like like I say, it's not like, again, they're not, they didn't pay almost half a billion dollars for Knives Out forever. This isn't like buying, you know, this isn't like spending, you know, two billion dollars to get uh, James Bond. Right. It's not it's not like spending four billion dollars to get Marvel or Star Wars. It's they're they're just they're really just buying the rights to a couple of sequels. And that uh, like I just I, I, I don't see. If, if what they want is a big franchise to be like, OK, Netflix is the home of uh, of Knives Out and Daniel Craig's Foghorn Leghorn character. Like, what are we what this is? This is not the thing. This is not the thing. Yeah, it's it's they're made at movie speed. So by the, te- by the time the second one comes out, it will be five years from now. And at that point, it will have been seven years since one of them was on the big screen. So they're they're not going to go back to the to the cinema, even if cinema is still still exist at that point mm-hmm. so um you know they'll i i, I think they'll at, at that point they'll they'll become identified with netflix and they, they'll if it goes well they'll have a pretty good uh chance of uh of, of renewing it with them um yeah. I, I i i just think it's a it's an easy crowd pleaser for them yeah uh speaking of theaters godzilla mm-hmm. versus kong huge yeah. huge on the big screen did almost fifty million dollars this weekend. It'll be the the highest grossing pandemic domestic release uh, by the end of next weekend, almost for sure. Um, what do what do you what do you make of this? What do you, what do we think? Are 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 theaters back? Are we? Did HBO Max mess up by saying we're going to do this whole uh, Warner Brothers HBO Max streaming uh, simultaneously in theaters thing through through the whole year? It's, it's it's amazing have have a have a movie suddenly break through after all this time, but uh, but just to, to, to put in perspective, uh, 
for for a movie that's you know probably sitting on three four hundred million dollars of cost 50 million would have made it meant it would have made a hundred million ultimately that would that would have been a catastrophe uh mm -hmm. uh in normal times and sure. um you know I, I the question we're still looking at is are are the people are people who want to go to movies um is that its own thing? Are people wanting to go to movies because they, they they want to go to movies, and that's and not necessarily and that's different from people who really want to see King Kong versus Godzilla. So, is 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 the home is the home video market really cannibalizing the the movie audience, or is it just serving two different audiences? I'm I'm, I'm coming to feel like it's different audiences of different people, especially if the theaters can create some you know, better experiences now, but, uh, but, but, you know, they're, they're, no one, no one knows the answer to these things. And I've, I've seen and heard about a lot of studies they've done and it all seems, it seems like the evidence is all over the place. Yeah. I mean, it, it does. It, I, I go, I very much go back and forth on this. I, I, I do think that there, uh, there, there is a, there's a, a, group of people who really just don't want to go to theaters anymore. And I get that as somebody with two young children at home, I get that. Uh, I totally understand that it's, it's a, it's a hassle. Um, uh, on the other hand, I do, I do think that there are, there are certain types of movies that can only really be experienced in a theater. And I think that's what we're seeing with this, right? Yeah. And I, and I, I think this is going to be the test to, uh, for the movies now, if, if, if you think of, uh, baseball on tv is uh when when they first started showing local games the owners thought oh no one will come to the stadiums anymore but it, in some ways the the showing the games on tv is kind of an advertisement for come out to the park look how look how great it is and if if the movies that they they show on streaming can be an advertisement for it now you, you want to get the full experience from it i mean it's it's a little different because you're not you're not going to watch kong and then go go see it but mm -hmm. an advertisement for the wonder of the wonder of cinema how you want to be a part of this bigger better experience yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i'm uh i i i was pleasantly surprised by the numbers and i was pleasantly surprised we actually so i saw it with some friends we did the whole private theater rental oh. thing which how, much, was, how much did that cost was fun. it was it was not that expensive it was it was 150 dollars oh, really? uh for and there were six of us so that's not that much more than a movie ticket it's no. like six or seven bucks more per person uh for a movie ticket uh very amusingly somebody tried to sneak in to the theater as as it was literally like the, the it started and this group of like five kids like came walking in and, and we just yelled at them. We we're like, get out. <laughs> Wrong theater. Wrong theater. And they, they immediately scurried out. They, they knew what so they good. were doing. They, they knew what they were doing. Uh, uh, but it was it was nice. It was really nice. It was like a nice experience. I, I would it, I will be very interested to see if that is a thing that survives uh covid if this is like a new kind of business model revenue generator for for the theaters because it feels like a it feels like a win for everyone well especially um, especially if studios are going from if you're going from a world of uh of, of six or seven studios each uh releasing um 10 20, 20 movies each year to four or five to, to maybe four studios releasing 10 movies a year it's gonna be a lot of screen space available a lot of things yeah. that people can do with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
so uh, w- some movies that are definitely not doing particularly well at the theater uh, are all of the best picture nominees yes. uh, for, for, for the Oscars this year. I mean, look, I've seen them all now. I, I finally saw The Father last night, which I love, by the way. I was shocked. I, I had been kind of uh, like dismissive of it. I didn't think it was going to be. But I, I was totally blown away. Um, and uh, but I've, I've seen them all. And I watched them all at home. I watched every single one of them at home uh, in on either VOD or on streaming. In ca- in the case of you know the Netflix options, I mean, I, 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 a, I mean, there was a, there was a poll that was in Variety uh, a couple a couple days ago, maybe last week, about how uh, nobody nobody is even aware of any of these movies. Nobody like regular entertainment consumers cannot even name them, uh, are not do not recognize them if you are if they are given uh, uh, a a title. Uh, the the most recognized was I believe Judas and the Black Messiah at forty six percent. So no no best picture nominee has awareness of more than half the audience, which is crazy to me. Um, uh, I don't I don't even see the services that they're on, especially pushing them on their home home screens for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I like I. I mean, Mank and Trial of the Chicago Seven, uh, the the Trial of the Chicago Seven. I that definitely got a uh, some those got some play on the front page of Netflix. But as I was talking about my other show with uh, Peter Suderman and Alyssa Rosenberg, it's hard to tell like what actually gets served to me because I'm a I'm a I'm a critic and I know like what you know I like have different tastes than the mass audiences. That it's not you know Hubie Halloween, good movie by the way. Hubie Halloween should should have gotten a best picture nom. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, what are we, what do we think about Oscar season so far? I mean, it seems like there's nobody is talking about it. it seems like nobody is talking about it. So the, 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 the over under that, that I'm hearing that, that, that people are putting on whether, uh, what to rate it as a success, they say, if you can get, if they get 10 million people to watch, it will be a success at this point. 10 million people, which is, you know, a 60% fall off from last yeah. 55% fall off from a mere fifty-five percent fall off. Uh, yeah. From the, the last year, I've just had a blackout in my. Oh no. Where I'm sitting. The. Uh, you can still hear me though. It's, I can uh, still hear you. I can still the, hear you. The internet Keep is still going. Going can... Okay. So, okay. Um, the. Uh, sorry. The. Uh, so so a mere fifty-five percent fall off will be will be considered a uh, a success there. Um, the. I mean, the, the the question is, the audience, the, the the audiences that are that are watching Oscar, they're not they're not getting. It's been the, the the ratings have been steadily falling for a decade now, as they have for all the award right. shows. So they're not making any new new. Um, they're not getting any new viewers. So these are these are legacy audiences who have been tuning in. Um, you know, certainly people weren't home. Respect uh, the people. Certainly, people because weren't tuning in because they were so excited by uh, by the movies that have been nominated and, mm. and won for last year. But they're just in the habit of watching the Oscars and seeing it. So once you give them, so if fifty five percent of them, sixty percent of them leave this year, and they have ratings that are in the order of a two and a half men rerun, uh, are those mm. people ever? Once you've given them permission to skip it, are they ever going to come back? And want to see four hours of uh, uh, of lighting designers thanking their agents again. Yeah, 
Yeah, or, you know, musical numbers and all that. I mean, I, I do think that I, I think this year is special in a lot of ways, uh, mostly bad ways. And one of those ways is that, you know, the the this has just not been a great this has not been a great year for movies, period. I mean, the, even even the, you know, so-called prestige pictures that got released, uh, most of them are mo- are very OK. Well, that's as, the, as far I, as I'm concerned. So I, I, I went through like what this year would have looked like if uh, if it hadn't been for COVID and, and the, the uh, in terms of the Oscar race. Anyway, and it's not that different, actually. It's not. There's, right. There's West Side Story would have been there. But, uh, you know, the perennial story of a uh, of, of Spielberg films underperforming when it comes down to when it comes down to it. So, yeah, but there's, you know, the early lists had. um there's a Wes Anderson movie that was on there. Yeah. Uh, almost everyone had Tenant on their list uh, a year ago as a as a. So sure. it, it's so th- this may be pretty close to the to the Oscar race that we were going to get, uh, regardless. Yeah, it would have been nice to have the French Dispatch out there. I would. I really. I am waiting for that. Uh, that is the Wes Anderson, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the aforementioned Wes Wes Anderson movie. I am excited for that. I, uh, I, but no, I think you're right. I mean, look, I like the. I, I think that we just had a very uh, mediocre crop of films. I mean, Promising Young Woman is fine. Uh, Nomadland is fine. Minari is fine. Uh, Mank and The Trial of Chicago Seven. I like. I liked Mank, I guess, but I, I wouldn't say it's anything. I'm like, okay, we definitely need to watch that again. Um, Trial of Chicago Seven looks like a, a an HBO movie from the mid '90s. Like, I mean, it, it's fine, it's perfectly fine, but uh, but you know, I don't know. I it's it's been a very it's been a just a like super disappointing year, kind of all the way around. Well, the 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 the, the, the narrative that uh, that the world was selling was about 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 Nomad Land and the Chloe Zhao story. Uh, that that this picture belonged to her is it that they that had been out there so it, it it's almost become a standard feature of Oscar to have an upset at the end and and especially an upset that upsets a lot of people um, mm-hmm. so one can feel Chicago seven inching back and that the academy building is going to be burned to the ground if uh, Aaron Sorkin <laughs> takes the Oscar from Chloe's out there. Yeah, uh, do you? I mean, do you think he has a has a? Uh, do you think? Do you think that we will see a big upset like that? Because I, I like again, I, I'm just hearing nothing this year in terms of who who has momentum, who has buzz. I just, I, yeah, and I can't tell. I can't tell if it's because I'm checked out or if if there just isn't much. Well, that stuff usually comes out of the uh, the, the screening circuit and the the events, and right? The, the in the talk, so uh, people are so it's you've you've got the pundits having to having to call individual members and you never know where it's going. I don't, I think, I mean, you have to, they've about half the Academy has been admitted in the last few years where they've tried to make it younger and more, more diverse, but mm-hmm. about half wasn't. So you still have like the associate producer of driving Miss Daisy in there and all sorts, you know, very old people and you've got nine films. So, um, so the, the most of which speak to the diverse vote, and mm-hmm. and um, and speaking to the old old white liberal vote, you you you've got basically uh, Chicago Seven and Mank. Uh, yeah. So I, I could I, I in a in a in a what an eight eight film field I can yeah. I could I could see Chicago Seven uh, having a uh, sure. breaking through and and really there the, there will be riots in the streets of. Uh, <laughs> 
that happens. Well, and the Academy, the Academy also really seems for whatever reason to like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, which I have never understood. I like, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't quite understand why he seems to be so beloved. What am I, what am I missing with him? They, they broke his, a couple years back, or I forget which movie it was, but they broke their rule about you're not allowed to present in character. He was the first person that was ever allowed to present in character for, yeah. uh, and it, it, it was it, wasn't even for uh, for Borat. It was for one of his uh, crummy movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they 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 do they do find him hilarious. But uh, you know, I mean, Sasha Bear Cohen is a uh, very outspoken liberal and, and speaks to yeah. speaks to those sensibilities. Uh, and and yeah. he, I mean, he he, is, he has a career making fun of the rubes. What's so? Yeah. What's what's not yeah? For that's Hollywood good point. Like? Good point. That's a very good point. Uh, well, what else is going on? What else is going on out west? What do we? What should? What should listeners know about uh, that I that I that I do not know about that they do not know about that I should should be asking you about? Oh, it's. I mean, the. I've, I feel like for the last year and a half, I've been writing the the the, the same story over and over. Our movie's going to come back. Is Netflix the future? And then, yeah. so so you've got we come back. The, the the big thing behind all this is whether theaters come back or not the 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 studios have decided that that the sh- their streaming platforms are their future and that's that's the favored child and and uh and and the uh and 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 movies are now the ugly stepchild and not all these services are going to survive so it, you know the, the the rumors are 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 the rumors are constant that uh that uh that AT&T wants to get out once again Mm-hmm. Realized it made a horrible mistake uh, buying buying uh, buying this company and wants to get out as fast as it can, and that uh, Universal has a uh, streaming service that it can't really get off the ground. So that you put those together. So uh, at the end of this, and then you've got you, and then you got Paramount that is kind of just getting in and kind of floundering mm-hmm. along, and uh, Sony that isn't isn't really in it at all. So. What you could look at at the end of this is three studios essentially. You could have you know, three studios. Could be Netflix. Uh, could be Netflix, Disney, and uh, and Universal and Warner essentially, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and uh, and then Amazon and and uh, Apple doing whatever they feel yeah. feel like doing for their prestige at that moment. Do you have you heard have you heard any whisperings or rumblings about who is going to make a play for MGM? It's the the kind it's it's the kind you you constantly hear like oh Apple is Apple is about to buy it oh the people and 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 they end up always not buying it like there's there's kind con- yeah. MGM and Sony are constantly about to be bought I, I, for a long time I, I was I was pushing the vision of the great uh, the great at the time I guess it was the, the sixth studio or the seventh studio that that someone would come along and buy and buy Sony. And MGM and Lionsgate and STX and all these other things, and wrap them together and create a new studio and streaming service. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, in, in my in my fan fiction version of that, uh, Ari Emanuel uh, would yeah. would take uh, would follow what his entourage character did and go be the go be the head of that studio. But yeah. um, it seems not to be happening. After and I I I, I think from all the streamers. Um, from Netflix, uh, I think Netflix has made pretty clear that they don't need a library of old stuff. They've 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 they've, they've got a uh, 
they're they're filling up their uh, their things pretty well. And they're uh, and I think Apple, Apple and Amazon are not really in it to win it. So why do they need a studio? Um, yeah. They're just in it for brand uh, to burnish the brands. So it's uh, you know I think it's it's left to the fortunes of some hedge fund to come along and scoop yeah. them up in the end. Hey, just like journalism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's bad, bad times coming for Hollywood. Look yeah. out, guys. Get yeah. get out while you can. All right. Uh, thank you very much, Richard, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, your your website is theankler.com, right? Anchor. If they go to the Ankler. The Ankler. They go to that. Just Ankler. The Ankler. Yeah. You're, you're the Ankler.com. Yeah. Just go go to the theankler.com uh, and check out his his stuff. He's great. Uh, he's got his his ear to the ground and. Uh, and make sure to sign up for his newsletter. It's fantastic. Um, uh, that is all for today's episode. Uh, please, uh, you know, share it with a friend if you enjoyed uh, enjoyed listening to to us chat. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Mm-hmm.